You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Let's get right into it, starting with a review. The first week we went through Jeremiah, we got through the first six chapters, Jeremiah 1 through 6, talked about the problems that the people had. Uh, the idolatry, the adultery, the religion that they had even was not what it was supposed to be. It was insincere. They had turned to the Lord, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 10. They had turned to him, but not with their whole heart. Feignedly, the Bible says. We talked in Sunday school this morning. The Lord will either have all of your heart or he'll have none of it. The Lord will have all of your heart or he'll have none of it. We need to give it all to him. I surrender all is what we sing. And then we talked about Jeremiah 7 through 10, which was known as what? What do we often call Jeremiah 7 through 10? It's a certain sermon that he preached uh, in front of a special place. Do you remember what it was called? The temple sermon. That is not anywhere mentioned in the Bible, but it is a sermon that was preached in front of the temple and just kind of a term of endearment, like we called Jesus's Um, message from uh, Matthew 5 and on the Sermon on the Mount while Jeremiah had his temple sermon. And we're going to see how that went tonight. But um, he does that in chapter 7 through 10. But up to this point, Jeremiah has told of many things. First of all, God's coming judgment upon Judah's sin. That has been very out front. He's talked about how all of Jerusalem had turned their back on God. Not one person in Jerusalem would repent. He talked about how there was, uh, even those people who showed some form of, of religion, but were doing it in insincerity. He was telling of how the poor, the, father, the fatherless, and the widows were being neglected. He said at one point, there were more idols in Jerusalem than there were cities in Judah. He said people were more willing to worship a God that they made rather than the God that made them. Now, how foolish is that? Even the leaders of the people, Jeremiah said, the ones that we're supposed to be able to look to, the ones leading by example, the prophets, the priests, the princes, were all corrupt. And the Bible said the people loved to have it so. Because when the prophets are prophesying falsely and the priests are bearing rule by their means, the people can go on in their sin, do whatever they want. So the people loved to have it so. People were coming to the temple of the Lord to atone for their sin just so that they could turn around and go and live like the heathen. Remember, I'm going to say it until the, the day the Lord takes my breath away. Doing right is always better than getting right. Getting right is good. And praise the Lord, he allows us a way to get right. But doing right is better. Praise the Lord for Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But you know what would have been better? If Adam and Eve just would have done right in the garden. Praise the Lord for Leviticus and Deuteronomy where, hey, when you sin, you have an advocate. You have a way to make atonement. But you know what would have been better? 
if at that base of Mount Sinai, when they said, yes, Lord, this is the covenant that we agree to, let's keep it, that would have been a lot better. There would have been no need for Leviticus, no, no need for Deuteronomy, and we're going to see that come forward today. Judah was so bad that God told Jeremiah to stop praying for them at all. All of this wickedness was addressed in Jeremiah's temple sermon. What we took some time to notice last week was Jeremiah's attitude toward it all. And I want to remind us of this because it's going to come forward in this week and next week as well. Remember Jeremiah's attitude towards his people and towards his ministry. He was heartbroken about the condition of his people. I have no doubt that the majority of his temple sermon was preached through tears. He truly, deeply loved his people. The hurt that sin was bringing to their lives was hurting him as well. The devastation that was going to come upon them because of their sin was devastating him already. And we've seen in a couple of areas, all, just into chapter 10, we've seen in a couple of areas where Jeremiah's love for his people has brought him to plead with God and even, I don't know a better word for it, argue with God about what was happening. He said at one point in Jeremiah 4.10, Ah, Lord God, surely thou hast greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall have peace, whereas the sword reacheth unto the soul. What was God's answer? I haven't lied to anybody. I haven't deceived my people. The prophets prophesy falsely. They are deceiving the people, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Jeremiah then comes back in chapter 8, verse 22, and he says, Is there no balm in Gilead? I remember Pastor Jason Atwood preached on There is a Balm in Gilead one Sunday morning, and Brashawn left her notebook behind on the seat, and I was opening it up and trying to figure out whose it was. And in big, bold letters across the top, There is a bomb in Gilead. <laughs> B-O-M-B. No, no, no. Is there no balm, B-A-L-M, is there no balm in Gilead? Gilead was known for a healing salve. Uh, if, you look back for, um, if you look back when Joseph is sold into slavery, his brothers see merchants coming from Gilead carrying balm. They were always known for that. And Jeremiah says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? To which God answers, I can't be a physician to patients who won't listen to my diagnoses and who won't take my medicine. When you look out in the world and say, how could God allow such wickedness? They won't take his medicine. They won't come to him for help. God told them the medicine for their problems was to have a personal relationship with him. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. But people instead were glorying in their wisdom and might and riches and religion. But Jeremiah's great desire, and you can see it all throughout the book. In fact, I'm going to start going through in my Bible, and I'm going to highlight it with a special color every time that Jeremiah speaks in his book. And because I see his great desire for his people all the way through is for them to repent and turn to God. His preaching, his prayers... His approach, everything, his heart of hearts shows that he has no greater desire than his people to turn back to God. And he's just poured his heart out 
in his temple sermon. And now in chapter 11, we find a new message that is coming to Jeremiah. Let's start by saying this. We know that Judah is being disobedient, correct? What are they disobeying? We know, excuse me, that they are worshiping idols, but what are they neglecting that taught them not to worship idols? We know that they are mingling with the heathen, but what taught them to be separate from the heathen? We know that they are neglecting the poor and the fatherless and the widows, but what taught them that they were supposed to take care of those people? What was it? The law, the covenant that they made with God he said, I am calling you out to be a separate people, a holy people, a kingdom of priests. The covenant is what taught them to do all those things. The covenant is what they were disobeying and breaking. And it's right around this time in Jeremiah's ministry that Josiah, trying to repair the temple, finds the book, finds a copy of this law, of this covenant. And it appears that it's right around this time that Jeremiah is writing Chapter 11. In chapter 11, verse 1 through 5, God calls for Jeremiah to remind people of the necessity of obeying the law. You know why? Obedience equals blessing. Disobedience equals cursing. If you want to put the whole book of Deuteronomy in a sentence, obedience equals blessing. Disobedience equals cursing. And I love Jeremiah's response to God commissioning him with this message. Said, Jeremiah, go and tell the people, remind them of why they need to obey the law. And here was his response in verse 5. Then answered I and said, so be it, O Lord. Amen, O Lord. I will do it, consider it done. We need to have that attitude whenever the Lord speaks to us. Now in verse 6 through 17, he relays this message. And the message was to teach Judah several lessons. lessons lesson number one. Obedience to God's law was the only requirement that God ever placed upon his people from the beginning. That was the only requirement, the first requirement. He told the fathers of these people in Judah, the moment that he brought them out of Egypt, obey my voice and you will be my people and I will be your God. That's it. Obey my voice, you'll be my people, I'll be your God. But not only did their fathers disobey, now the children are disobeying. Now let that be a lesson to us, and I'm going to try not to belabor this. Maybe I will. Parents, don't be surprised when your children go off into sin if we are the ones who tread the path for them. Sins are often repeated by the sons. And not only that, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Remember that. You can lead them into sin and they will follow. You can lead them to the Lord. The Bible says, train, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, maybe when they're young, they'll have their little stint and they'll go against what they've been taught and they're going to sow their wild oats and they're going to make their mistakes. But when he is old, he'll remember. He'll remember what he was taught. And at that moment when he remembers, when the prodigal comes to himself, you better be at home where you've always been 
where you told them they needed to be. Because what happens if your prodigal comes to himself and then comes home and finds out home isn't how I left it? Home, while I've been gone, has changed. What is going to bring them back home? The stability that they left. What is going to bring them home? The truth that they left. That is what is going to bring them back home. So don't you dare, parents, change. You stand true. You stay strong. Surprised when our children go into sin, when we're the ones who trod the path before them. I am not talking about parents who were saved later in life and already have children in the mix and say, This is what we're doing from here on out. The Lord will give you grace for that. I promise you. I'm talking about parents who know better. I'm talking about parents who know what the Bible says and still choose to obey. Do not be surprised when your children rebel against you when you're rebelling against God. Don't be surprised. When your children have an authority problem, when they always hear mom and dad bad-mouthing the authority at church. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when they don't respect the police officers and they don't respect the law when they constantly hear us bad-mouthing authority. I'm going to say this in the most loving way. Keep our mouths shut. Mom and dad, oh, maybe I won't get any further than what? What are we at? Verse 5? This isn't good. Okay. Moms and dads. Hmm. Should I do it? I'm not talking to you. Hang on. Mm -hmm. All right. We have a parent problem today. We have an adult problem today. These kids, for the most part, for the most part, <laughs> trust people. Never been burned before never been hurt the way that adults have been hurt. There is something truly special about the innocence of a child. When you become an adult, you lose that, don't you? Suddenly, everybody's your enemy. You watch a football game, and they, they huddle, and you're thinking, they're talking about me. I know it. So many times, it's the people who know better. It's the ones who should know better. It's the prophets. It's the priests. It's the princes. It's the parents who should know better, who are running their mouths. And who are teaching our children, whether you're saying it out loud, you're saying it in your actions, you're teaching them that the world isn't as bad as the Bible says it is. Let me prove it to you. Sorry, Jeremiah. Turn with me to 1 John. I have, mm -hmm. yep, I've got to do it.
Where's it at? I don't even know where it's at. <sighs> Help me. Love not the world. Where's it at? 1 John 2.15. All right. That'll be our springboard here. Parents, adults, leaders in this congregation, leaders of this country, people who know better, those who have been trusted with the next generation. We cannot be surprised when our children follow what we do, when our children hear what we, what we say and see what we watch and listen to what we listen to. Have you ever heard your child say something? I remember when McKenna was about three years old and she cussed in my house. Don't give me that look, young lady. Yes, she did. She said a bad word in our house. Where did you learn that? And I was thinking, Lord, please do not let her say, I heard it from you. And she didn't, but she heard it from someone. I don't know where, but kids are listening. Kids are watching. And here Jeremiah is saying, as the fathers disobeyed, now so are you. God told you from the beginning, obey me. Your fathers didn't obey, and now you're walking in the same exact path. And didn't Moses tell them in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, thou shalt talk about these things. Talk about the law. Teach them what my word says when you walk by the way and when you sit down and when you rise up all the time. Be telling them what God's word says. And not just telling them what it says, but tell them to obey it. And don't just tell them to obey it. Teach them how. If we, we are all about what, 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 aren't we? Here are the rules. Rules, 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 rules. Where's the why? Are we teaching our children why? Are we teaching them why we don't fellowship with the world? Are we teaching them why drugs are bad? Why alcohol is bad? Why tithing is important, a commandment? Are we teaching them why? Because they are going to get to the point where they ask, why do we do these things? And at that point, if the only answer is mom and dad told me, that's not going to work. Actually, if what you are telling them, what, 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 you're not doing. They're going to find, okay, we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But sometimes we don't. Kids see that. We go out soul hunting, unless we don't. Kids see that. So then when they grow up and they start thinking, why do we? Why do we go? Well, mom and dad didn't do it faithfully. So why should I do it faithfully? So when Jeremiah says, you are following in the footsteps of your fathers, your father's disobedience, are, are, we, are we surprised at that? Now, here's what I want to get to. We live in the world, do we not? We can't get out of that, can we? There, I, I would like to. I would like to get out of this wicked world. But I can't control when the rapture comes. And I'm not going to do it the other way. I love my mother's son too much. We are in this world. 
never of this world. But don't be surprised, parents, when we start letting a little world come in to our homes, to our music, to our dress, our movies, our vocabulary, our entertainment, when we start letting the world in, our kids are going to be affected. Now, here is where a lot of people kind of get messed up here. We are in the world, therefore, when we are in the world, we can't help in some areas to partake of the world, can we not? Okay? We work in a worldly place. We shop at a worldly place. I remember, I remember hearing a Christian one time saying, I will no longer shop at any grocery stores that serve alcohol. <laughs> Look, is that, I, okay, I, I, I think that's a great, it's just not possible. Right? And that gets me off on something else. Remember when Walgreens said, we are no longer going to serve cigarettes because lives. Now we'll sell alcohol all day. What kind of stupidity is that? And parents, you grow up to this point where there are some things in the world that you can handle, right? Because you're an adult. You work in a place and you hear language that you don't want to hear, but for the most part, you can handle it. So then you think, What's wrong with watching a movie in the house with that same language? Because I can handle it. Your kid cannot. Your child cannot. Oh, I go, to, I go to this place and I deal with people all the time who don't believe the same way that we do. And they have their worldly philosophy and they have all of these things. And so what's wrong with going to a family get-together where my kids are going to be surrounded by all of that and the cousins and all that? No, 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 no. They can't handle that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Here's our parent problem. We are too attached to the things of the world rather than being attached to God's word. The reason that the fathers disobeyed is because they didn't want to give up the things that they were used to in Egypt. I don't want to follow God. You know why? We had cucumbers in Egypt. Good trade. So let me talk to you about a couple things in the world that I'm seeing an issue with, with parents especially. And our next generation is suffering for it. And Jeremiah will have to come in a couple weeks. The world is a dumpster. Would you agree? The world is a dumpster. Well, let me tell you a couple things about a dumpster. You could find some good things in it. You know that? You can find some good things in a dumpster. Another man's trash is another person's treasure. Ladies, you're shaking your head. Don't lie to me. You have driven by and seen something outside in somebody else's trash and thought, ooh, that would look good on my mantle. And you went and you grabbed it. I'm not saying that you're jumping into a dumpster like I did at, at youth conference. 
I guarantee you, though, go to the dumpster behind Lowe's, go to the dumpster behind Walmart, go to the dumpster and start looking around. You'll find some good things. You'll find some things that might be worth keeping. So think about this. Think of the things of the world. Public school. You can find some good things at a public school. Sports, things that build character, music programs, camaraderie. You can find those things at a public school. What about entertainment? Disney Plus and all that stuff. You can find some good things on that. Every once in a while, a movie comes out that isn't disgusting. You can even find some good things in Hollywood. What else? How about a career or just whatever, all, all these different things of the world. You can find maybe some good things in there, just like you could in a dumpster. But you know what else a dumpster has? It has a bunch of trash. OK, you can find some good things in public school. You can find a sports program. You can find a music program. You can find friends, and you can find all those things. But you know what else your children are surrounded with at public school? Trash, worldly ideology, sex education in what, third grade? Third grade? We won't teach a child how to balance a checkbook? But we're going to teach them how to practice safe. <laughs> what are we talking? What are we doing? Third grade? Fourth grade? That's trash. We had a, I, I heard a story of one of my friends who got in a little tizzy with the church. And we're not going to the church anymore. I'm pulling my kids out of the Christian school and I'm putting them into public school. The very first day... His precious daughter was in that public school. The teacher called her up and made that girl in fifth grade dance with a boy. And not like a little slow dance. Dance with that boy all over each other. Guess who pulled their kid out of public school? Why did they put him in in the first place? Oh, because there's some good things in there. So now, do you realize what my friend, that parent, that father, do you realize how difficult it's going to be to teach that young lady why Christian education is important and why a Christian environment is important and why church attendance is important when he is the one who gets offended over something so small that in, a, in an emotional decision yanks that daughter out of a Christian environment, puts her in a public school, and then has to yank her out of that because he finds out public school is filled with trash. You know what else is in a dumpster? Flies, rats, cockroaches, raccoons, possums, maggots. All right. Put your kid in public school. Little Junior next to him has the vocabulary of a sailor. Of a sailor. Sorry, sailors. 
has a vocabulary that would make adults blush. And your child's hearing that every day. They're talking about the opposite gender. They're talking about all these movies. Cuss words all throughout them. Nudity throughout them all. That's what your kids are surrounded with. And parents, we're the ones that are going to let them be a part of that. Ooh, you know what else you can ooh, you know what else you can find some good things in? Where's it at? I don't even have it. Your phone, the computer, social media, some good things that you can find on those things, can't you? I get to be able to keep in touch with my family and I can do video calls and all of these different things. Yeah, but it's also filled with trash. You know how much I am running into that as a pastor? And I'm not talking about here in the church. I'm talking about just talking to other pastors. I, I heard one pastor say, I deal with pornography and sexting and all this stuff all the time. I, at least, at least twice a month in my church. He said, I had, I had a time when three people got divorced in my church and it all had to do with social media. So go ahead and tell yourself, parents, go ahead and tell yourself, I'm going to have it because there's good things that I can find in it. Your kids are going to see it. And they're going to follow. We have to be careful. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We're, surrounded, we're, we're surrounding ourselves with these people. That, on Facebook, I've gotten friend requests before from people I, I have no clue who they are, and just their profile picture is disgusting. How many times have you just gone on Facebook to go and you're scrolling through and an ad pops up and you're thinking, what in the world? Your children are seeing that. Surrounded by people that they don't need to be surrounded with. Now here's the thing. Maybe, just maybe, our children don't make the mistakes that we made. Maybe, just maybe, when they're in the world and in those places, maybe they do just grab the good and they leave the bad. Maybe they don't get up, get involved in all the trash, like the drugs and the alcohol and the partying and all that stuff. Maybe they don't get involved in all that trash. Maybe they don't let the bad friends and the flies and the maggots and the possums and all that, maybe they don't let them eat at them and bite at them. Maybe it doesn't bother them. Maybe that's, but you know what else is about a dumpster? It stinks. And what we're seeing is young people who are growing up, maybe, maybe the Lord protects them and they don't get involved in the trash and they're not affected by the flies and all that, but they smell of the world. Because we cannot fill our house with the world and not come out 
smelling like it. It's impossible. We went, we got out of, uh, we went out of power and I had started a fire. Did you know that fireplace flues could close on their own? They can. So I walk into the bedroom and I come back out. It's a little <coughs> smoky in here. The flue would close. So imagine trying to put the flue back up, you know, while the fire is coming and the smoke is billowing out. We had a layer of ash over everything. And guess what? We, we haven't started a fire in what? About half a week? Guess what the house still smells like? Smells like Rudy's in there. <laughs> I don't know who needed this. I, 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 I honestly don't know. And it came up while I was studying. I said, Lord, there's no way I can stop and preach on that. Five verses in to the chapter. But I kept my heart open and he, if he would lead me to it. Because I've been thinking about this for a long time. Our children are going to follow in our footsteps. And maybe, parents, you just deviate a little bit here and there. Maybe you just deviate a little bit. But what that teaches our kids is that staying on the straight and narrow isn't that necessary. And maybe you just deviate. They may go off on their own tangent so far away that it will be hard to get them back. Because when we say, come back to what you know is right, where did you get this idea that you could walk off the straight and narrow path? And they'll look back. Say, you taught me that. You taught me how to rebel against authority. You taught me how to gossip. You taught me how to sow discord among the brethren. You taught me how to carry a chip on your, my shoulder. You taught me that as long as you come back to the middle, you can stray every now and then. You taught me that. Parents, let it never be said. Not here. Not with these precious kids here. Let them see. When the Lord says, obey my voice, so be it, O Lord. Jeremiah's message in chapter 11 was simply, all of this could have been avoided if you just would have obeyed. That's it. And maybe those fathers could have looked back and said, but truly in my heart I wanted to do what's right. But they didn't. But they didn't. And their children followed in their footsteps. And they couldn't be surprised. They couldn't be surprised. Parents, God did not give those children to you. Hear me. God did not give those children to you. God gave you to those children to lead them and to teach them not only what is right, but why it is right, and not only why it is right, but to show them how to do it. And to do it in a real way. Teach them how to live in the world, but not of the world. Teach them how 
you can use tools like a phone, but you can protect yourself and you can guard yourself and you can still do what is right. Teach them how. It's possible. Teach them how to obey the Bible. Not just what the Bible says or why the Bible says it. Teach them how to do it. And then we won't be surprised if they follow. Don't be surprised if this is the generation that seeks the Lord if their fathers sought the Lord as well. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.